This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 306. Today is Thursday, January 12th, 2023. And in today's episode, I wanted to provide you with some tips for travel photography. Now, some people think of travel photography as taking your camera when you go on a bucket list destination, whether it's France or Italy, or to see the Northern Lights. But nothing can be further from the truth. Travel photography can be just getting great photos when you go on your annual vacations with your family or just going back home for the holidays. In this episode, I want to share some tips for getting great travel photos anytime that you go someplace. Now, the first thing you need to do is decide on your gear. And keep in mind that you will be lugging it through airports, possibly of flying, but also out in the field all day, every day. With this in mind, you don't want to be carrying tons of gear as it's going to slow you down and wear you out early in the day. I always recommend taking a good lightweight gear that is versatile so you can cover a wider range of shooting styles. Now, for the camera itself, I recommend a nice compact camera body or a very high-end point-and-shoot camera. This is one of the main reasons, one of the many reasons, excuse me, why the Fujifilm X100 line is so popular, as it is a very high-end point-and-shoot camera. It's great for travel, as it is compact and lightweight with excellent image quality. But it also limits you on options as it comes with a fixed 23mm f2 lens, which is 35mm in full-frame equivalent. Now, many people love this line for those reasons. And even David Hobby said his X100V is the best travel camera he's ever owned. Myself, I prefer to be a little more flexible in shooting options. And since I don't currently own an X100V or any of the other X100 line, I would instead opt to take my Fujifilm X-E4. Now, this is a very compact rangefinder-style camera body. It only has one card slot, but it's also basically the same as the X100 line, but with the ability to switch out lenses. Now, when traveling, whether using my X-E4 or one of my X-T4s, I would most likely opt to take my new Tamron 18 to 300 millimeter f3.5 to 6.3 di3a VC VXD lens as a single lens to cover the most focal lengths and shooting styles. Now, granted, at f3.5 to 6.3, I'm not using a low light performer, but most of today's modern cameras can shoot at higher ISOs without too many issues. And with the range of this lens being 27 millimeters to 450 millimeters in full frame equivalent, it is extremely flexible and makes for a fantastic travel lens. By using a lens like this, I never have to change my lens in the field and risk getting dirt on my sensor. Next, you need to decide whether or not you want to take a tripod with you. And again, 
keep in mind this is something you're going to be lugging around a lot. I personally wouldn't take one unless I planned to do some long exposure photography, and then I would opt for my Platypod Extreme for its small size and lightweight, and the fact that I can clip it to my camera bag or backpack for easy carry. Now, you'll also need a ball head, so that will be some extra weight as well, but luckily the Platyball Ergo and Elite are both fairly light as well. Something else to consider is if you have one is to take along your arsenal too, as you can do long exposure photography with that and not carry ND filters. So one less thing to carry and deal with. Now, granted, you are carrying the arsenal, but the arsenal is extremely compact and lightweight. And it gives you a lot of versatility. You can do long exposure photography with it. You can do stack photography with it. You can do pan. You'll be able to do panoramas once that mode gets officially released in the app. I have it in the beta mode right now. Um, but you have, and you also have time lapse. You can use it for astrophotography. So you get a lot of shooting options with that little lightweight extra item that's completely rechargeable versus carrying a whole bunch of ND filters and the mount system for it and all that stuff. Extra batteries and memory cards are another must-have as you don't want to be running around out in the field all day and run out of charge or have your memory card fill up and not have a spare to keep shooting with. Now, an easy way to keep your batteries charged in the field is a nice folding multi-panel solar charging system that you can clip to your backpack and let it keep a battery charged at all times while you're out walking around. If you have one of the high storage capacity iPad Pro models like I do, you could opt to offload the photos to that instead of carrying memory cards. But again, that is another item that you have to carry. So let's try and stay a little more agile. Okay, so now that we have our gear figured out, let's get on to the travel photography tips for when you are at your actual destination. So my first tip is get up early and stay out late. Now, I've always been an advocate for getting up early to go out shooting, especially if I want to get some awesome sunrise photos at my destination. And remember the old saying, the early bird gets the worm. The most important part of photography is good light. And you will get some of the most awesome light first thing in the morning with the possibility of beautiful color and clouds. The other plus of getting up early is less tourists, especially if you're visiting someplace that is popular like France or Italy or maybe uh, Big Ben or Stonehenge or something like that, or even the Grand Canyon and many other popular destinations. Now, sunrise is not the only time to get great light and colors, as you also have that option at sunset, which is why I say wake up early and stay out late. Also, remember that shooting in the middle of the day, such as high noon, the light will be horrible. So sunrise and sunset are your two best options. You don't want to be shooting in that midday sun because it's going to wash everything out. Everything is going to be blown out. And it's not you're not going to get flattering light either. OK, so number two, scout your location. You need to have a better understanding of your location especially if you have never been there before. So read some guidebooks, do some online research, and scout the location before you ever get there. This will allow you to have a better plan for where you want to go and what you want to shoot and the quickest way to get there. 
Another thing to keep in mind is don't just shoot what everyone else shoots, especially if you're going to a location heavily traveled by lots of people. You don't want to end up with a bunch of the same old boring shots that thousands of other people have already gotten and posted all over the internet. I am also not saying you need to plan your trip and shooting to death. I often opt to just go out and see what I find, but scouting your location can save you some headaches, especially when traveling with your family. Number three, get permission from locals. Now, whether you are traveling to a foreign country or just visiting someplace you've never been in your home country, always ask permission from locals before taking their photographs or trespassing on their land. Spend some time striking up a conversation before you ask to take their portrait, as it will make them more comfortable. If they are running a food or souvenir stand, buy something before asking for the shot. Sometimes they will say yes, and sometimes they'll say no. And some may even ask for money if you take their photo. And whether or not you want to pay is completely up to you. I probably wouldn't, but that's just me. Don't get discouraged at the ones that say no, as over time you will get better and better at your approach to talking to people and making people more at ease, and you'll end up getting more yes responses down the road. Number four, never stop learning new things. As humans, we never stop learning new things during our entire lifetime, and it's no different when it comes to photography. I have been shooting for nearly 40 years now, and I don't know everything there is to know about photography. And there are always new things I can learn. New technologies, new techniques that I've never tried before. And this is one of the many reasons why I recommend taking some photography workshops. I have several photography friends that do workshops from Serge Ramelli to Brett Bergram and Rick Salmon. And all of these guys are also really great at photography. And they all do workshops for travel photography. All of these folks also offer training online via their website or even books. So you ha they have you covered quite well at teaching you new things. Number five, use your rule of thirds. I also highly recommend using the rule of thirds for your photography. And it's something I use most of the time. Break your scene down into grids, both horizontally and vertically, so that you can make sure your compositions are strong. I suggest turning on the rule of thirds grid view on your camera, as most all makes and models offer this functionality today. Remember to always keep that horizon straight so you don't have to do a ton of correcting in post later on. This is where the Platyball Elite comes in handy, as it has a built-in electronic level, so it can make your life a little bit easier out in the field. Number six, experiment with your compositions. With lots of experimenting, you can come up with some fantastic images, so don't be afraid to work outside your comfort zone. Stand in a different location to get the shot. Look at things from a different point of view than everyone else that has shot there before. And if you have one, break out that platypod tripod to get a unique perspective. Or even use one of the gorilla pods that you can attach to something like a fence to get a more unique composition in your images. Use the zoom on that lens if you take one of those types of lenses. 
so that you can compress the scene and make better compositions that way. Number seven, make your photography a priority. You don't want to spend your entire trip running from place to place getting snapshots, as you will end up with the same boring crap that everyone else has photographed. Be meticulous and plan a bit and think outside of the box. And most importantly, take your time. To get truly amazing results and not the same old boring stuff, you need to really commit to your travel photography. Even if that means taking some time to go out alone instead of dragging the family along and boring them all day. This is another way that to wake up early and stay out late that I mentioned earlier can come in handy. You can get your vacation time with your family during the middle of the day and still get great images in the morning and evening hours. Number eight, don't leave out the human elements. People by nature like to live vicariously through others. And one of the best ways of allowing them to do this is by having a human element in your travel photos. If the viewer can imagine themselves there in that place of the person in the image, then your, photo your photographs will have more impact and meaning to them and maybe even encourage them to travel to that destination on their next vacation. Remembering the human factor can also make it much easier to sell prints if you desire to do so, as you won't have just plain old landscapes all the time. Get a person in the foreground to make that image truly unique and the composition much more desirable. Now I'm going to take a break right here and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so number nine, patience is king. Travel photography is not only about seeing things before you and around you, but it also takes a great deal of patience. There are photographers out there, such as the late Ansel Adams, who would sit at a location for many hours or even days at a time just to get a truly unique image. Sometimes it's just a matter of sitting and thinking ahead with your mind's eye for what might come into your scene that can make that boring scene pop, whether it's a vehicle passing through your scene or a bird or something else that can make your composition much stronger. Number 10, protect against theft. One of the most important things about travel photography is don't make yourself a victim. In many places around the world, there are thieves out there that are looking for expensive camera gear that they can snatch and sell quickly to make fast money. These rings are more common in popular tourist destinations in many countries as well as here in the United States. Be observant of your surroundings at all times and try to make yourself look like less of a target 
by not carrying tons of expensive gear. The number one thing I can recommend here is make sure you have equipment insurance in the case of theft so you can replace your gear without it coming out of pocket. If you become a member of the PPA, as I am, they offer great gear insurance as part of your membership. And when you're not shooting, keep your gear locked in a hotel room safe or a locker and carry your gear in a nondescript camera bag so as not to draw attention to yourself. If you want to shoot in a sketchy or poverty-stricken areas, don't be flashy about it as you will become a victim. Make sure all your gear is registered with the manufacturer as soon as you buy it and before any trips. Another new item coming on the market is a new Arca Swiss tripod plate that you can leave on your camera all the time. And this plate is made by Small Rig, and it will allow you to hide an Apple AirTag inside it. So you would have a way to track your camera if stolen. It's best to share this tracking information with the police and let them handle it. And for a $25 plate and a $25 AirTag, you can have an extra peace of mind on your gear. And if someone does stick you up for your gear, either ask if you can remove your memory card or just pop it out before handing over the camera so you don't lose your images. Above all else, don't be a hero. Your camera gear is not worth your life. Number 11, always bring a camera. When traveling, it is always best to never forget to bring a camera as few things suck more than seeing something spectacular and not having a camera with you to capture it. In some cases, your smartphone's camera might be good enough, but always have some sort of camera with you. Anytime you're out and about, there is that luck factor when it comes to capturing great images, and you'll be kicking yourself later if you're not carrying some sort of travel camera with you at all times. I also recommend shooting in manual mode and always use raw file formats as you'd be amazed at what you might be able to make of an image in post-processing later on. Number 12, get lost on purpose. Now, I know this is going to sound silly, but just bear with me for a moment. So once you're at your destination location and have gotten all the major tourist sites out of the way, take some time to adventure around. Get lost on purpose and see what else you can find that chances are no one before you has ever photographed before. You'd be surprised the number of times I've done this when traveling and found some incredible scenes and things to shoot. Remember that just running around back roads in Georgia is how my Forgotten Pieces series came about. Check with locals to make sure you are not venturing somewhere that's dangerous and then head on out. And make sure before you head out, especially since you will probably be on foot, take the business card from your hotel so you can catch a cab or rideshare back to the hotel at the end of the day. Number 13, look for leading lines. When you are out shooting, look for those leading lines and use them to make your compositions more interesting when doing your travel photography. It doesn't need to be a road. You can use fencing, walls, a river, most anything else can lend you leading lines for your images and help make them truly stand out from all the others that were captured at this destination. Number 14, carry a backup method. When traveling and doing photography, it is always a good idea to also have a way to back up your images at the end of the day in your hotel room or Airbnb. 
I recommend using the SanDisk portable SSD pocket drives to back up all your images as I do. Now, they are not super cheap drives, but they are incredibly fast and built to last with their rubberized exterior coating. And the fact that you can also have a spot in one corner to clip your clip them to your bag with a carabiner. Now, once you return to your room for the day, plug this little gem into your laptop and copy all the images off your camera's memory card and onto this device. And then, bam, you've got them all backed up. Number 15, get better at post-processing. If you want to end up with very powerful images at the end of your trip, make sure you work on those post-processing skills. You need to become an expert at Lightroom, Photoshop, Capture One, On One Photo Raw, Luminar Neo, or whatever software you're using for your post-processing needs. You can find great videos and blog articles on all of these products online at both the company's website as well as on YouTube. Remember what I said earlier about learning new things constantly? Well, it never hurts to invest some of your time in mastering your software and perfecting your own personal style. And number 16, my final tip, be nice and have some fun. The last tip I want to leave you with today is be nice and have fun with your travel photography. Don't be a jerk like some of these semi-professional travel photographers who block off areas with walls of tripods or go where they're not supposed to go or yelling at anyone that comes anywhere near their frame. You don't want to be one of these people. As the old saying goes, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Always be polite and courteous to everyone when out shooting at your travel destination. And you'll come away with far better images than that jerk that pisses off all the locals and the tourists. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to end episode 306 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. I also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new content drops. Now, I haven't decided on the finalized start date, but my next giveaway will be starting soon, so make sure you stay tuned for that. The prize in this giveaway is a Platypod Extreme flat tripod that was 
donated generously by the good folks at Platypod. And I want to thank them once again. They're not sponsors of the show, but they are sponsoring this particular giveaway. So I want to thank Dr. Larry, as well as my good friend, Skip Cohen, who both work at Platypod for their kindness in, in supporting this next giveaway for my listeners. Also, remember, I do now have my own discount code at, that you can use at platypod.com that is LD20. This discount code does not expire. It's good all year round. And it'll give you 20% off on any Platypod branded products except for the bundles. The bundles are usually already discounted 20% or more anyway, so you can't stack the discounts. But any Platypod named product, you can use that and get 20% off. It does not work on the Square Jellyfish or Loom Cube products either because those are owned by other companies and just offered through the Platypod site. So they don't have as much control over the pricing there, so they can't give away big discounts on somebody else's stuff. But you get the gist of it. And it's a code that's good all year round. So make sure you use that when you go to platypod.com to pick up a Platypod Flat Tripod or a Platyball Ergo or Elite or any of the Platypod branded products. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I will see you all again on Sunday.